And now, part four of Operation Pandorica. So here's the story from A to Z. Got a box full of Amy Rory's hidden carefully. He thinks it's a safe place, but he's been seen by Braceface. Dalek's rushing to the scene. Better call Wilf and Eileen. When he sees making victory V's, he's an old Tory. And will Eileen flee? Come on, let's see. Churchill's log supplemental. The Luftwaffe are throwing everything they have at us tonight. Ever since the Bronze Age, the human race has been throwing metal at each other ever more keenly and with ever greater ferocity to a climax tonight when heaven and earth seem to be hell-bent on annihilating each other in one final, all-encompassing assault. The anti-aircraft guns keep up their volleys like the longbowmen of Agincourt. The bombers roll across us in great waves such as King Canute could never count upon. We have corrupted the land, the sea, and the sky so that all the world is soaked with the vicious letting of our fury. We are an outrage in the sight of God. We abominate his holy creation which he entrusted unto us. Yet we must dismember an empire of men to keep his laws so that justice may not fade utterly from the earth. What wicked crimes is it immoral to commit for the sake of righteousness? He that hath no sword let him sell his cloak and buy one. It is the most terrible of times, but we persevere. The thought of fascists being invited to dinner at Blenheim is more than enough to steal one for the struggle. In other news, I keep making faux pas around that new young girl in the office. Perhaps it's time I thought of something a little more conventionally shocking than my routine in the bath. Double one has perhaps suffered enough. And once again, I have that nagging feeling I often get that I'm not being told everything I should be by those chaps in B1A. They are so very fond of their cross and double cross. Crew agent, false agent, and double agent are interwoven into such a texture as to be incredible, and yet true. Sometimes I suspect they're sending as much low-grade chicken feed my way as they are to the Germans. Winnie laid aside his pen and thought for a moment. His next actions were to be kept strictly off the record. I cannot wait for the morning. Such a night as this demands immediate action. Winnie rose from his chair and went to the empty office of Siren and Audience. On Siren's desk, there was a stack of papers, and voracious for information as he was, he plucked off the top sheet. It detailed part of London's rotation system for storing essential or secret equipment based on the predicted bombing raids, and his eyes skipped across the more familiar details straight to a part where the text seemed distorted. He ran his finger over it and felt a smoother area where correction fluid had been applied, then typed over. Then he realised he'd seen this report before, Someone had clearly gone to the trouble of fishing it out of his archive and amending it. But what for? He read the report again, weighing every word. His suspicions grew as he read the lines. Acton WH-35 Bravo, Timber and Rifles. Gunnersbury WH-36 Bravo, Submachine Guns and Cotton. Bedford Park WH-37 Bravo. This building to be kept empty in case of emergency requirement, what with bombers wrecking some of the others like 38 Bravo, which is still out of action. QWH-39 Bravo, Universal Carriers. It was an obvious deception. One might even go so far as to say amateurish in the way the words stuck out and drew attention to their unmilitary precision. There had to be something extraordinary in Bedford Park, and he'd be damned if someone working in his cabinet war rooms was going to keep what it was from him. What if it was something to do with the Torchwood Institute? 
If they had some fantastic weapon that could win Britain the war, it was his prerogative to decide whether they used it. He picked up the nearest telephone receiver. This is Air Commodore Spencer. Get me the head of the Whitehall Military Police. Jeffrey? This is me. I need as full a detachment as you can spare, at least enough to fill two tillies. I wish to conduct an immediate surprise inspection at Warehouse 37 Bravo. Action this night, Jeffrey. And wake up double one. I want him here to witness this. About as much time later as it might take Churchill and his men to get to the warehouse in question, Wilfred Moss and Eileen Dover did just that. <laughs> Eileen, sweetheart, mind if we take a breather? I'm about to keel over. Well, we're here, ain't we? You can't go giving up on me now. We can take a break when we're done. Who said anything about giving up? We traversed nigh and all the south and central southwest London to get here, and here we are. So I'm with you. Never you doubt it, my love. Is this it? Yep, this is it. He's behind this door. You better not be out back having a fag, cause we ain't got time on our side. That's a sturdy door, isn't it? Don't make doors like that anymore. Fred, you in there? It's urgent. Must wear a ton. Fred? No, the door. It's a formidable gate, isn't it? Wilf, I hardly think this is the time to be admiring doors. If we get out of here alive, I'll get you your very own door to play with. But for now, my concerns are elsewhere. I was just saying... No, you're right, Eileen. I can admit when I'm wrong, and just now, you were right. Not that the two are mutually exclusive, you understand. But what I meant was, it's a door and nothing else. You are a mystery to me sometimes, Wilfred Mott. You alright? Fred, we've got to go. You just got here. Listen, I ain't got time for no clowning around. There's a formation of German bombers heading here right now, and we need to get you and your... your... whatever it is, out of here before they do. Right, of course. Yes. Well, it's back there. Uh, let me fetch it. I'll just be a minute. You must be having a bubble bath. Here, let me give you an hand. Wait for me. I'll give it a push as well. Just let me close this ear door behind us so the light don't get out. Yeah, that's one heavy door and all. It's over here. Wow, it looks just as impressive as the last time I saw it. What did you say was inside it again? I didn't. Nice try. Who's doing the pushing and who's doing the pulling? I don't have any preference, but I'd like to know up front. Where are we taking it? Let's worry about that later. For now, the answer is far enough away. That's my girl, taking charge. Right, before it's going anywhere, let me move these ear crates out of the way. Wilfred, those are rather heavy. Wait... Yeah, put those anywhere, Wilf. All right, all right, just trying to help. Shh, did you hear that? Hear what? I ain't heard anything. No, she's right. There's someone at the door. Quick, hide. Hide where? There's nowhere to hide around here. All right, men. Open the warehouse and secure it as quickly as you can. It is imperative if anyone escapes that his weaponry be retrieved immediately. I think I hear a noise inside, sir. Very well, men. All night signal. Oh, bollocks, it's the Rosses. Scarpa, Larry. Right behind you, Francis. Don't tell him my name, you Wally. You dobbed me in first, you dozy git. I don't understand it. What is this? Farming machinery? Why? What were you expecting? I thought we were safe. I typed right over that whole line so it looked like there weren't even a warehouse here no more. They're breaking down the door. And what a door, eh? Wilf! You're right, Eileen. I was just thinking to myself, now's not the time. Anyway, whoever it is is coming in here. Here they come. Oh, 
My crap. Nothing could have prepared them for what came next. Three Daleks, each more menacing than the other, save perhaps the one that donned a red wig, came rolling through the dust and stopped in a deadly formation before them. Light shone in from behind them, drawing terrifying silhouettes that blocked what our heroes had thought was their way out. Surrender, or you will be exterminated! We are here, Brother Pandarica! You will obey! What the hell are those demonical contraptions? Well, they're Nazi tanks, innit? Surprised you didn't know, really. They're Daleks. Codenamed Darlings, that's it. They have whisks! Advanced Nazi wits technology, no doubt. <laughs> You're gonna make us a Nazi omelette? Silence, biped! You will hand over the Pandorica now! To be fair, it's not the kind of thing you could easily hand over to anyone, is it? I mean... What do you mean? I mean... What do you mean? If you let me finish, I'll tell you. I mean, it's kinda heavy. Cumbersome, you know. That answer was not worth the wait. I thought it was a little sassy. What happens now then? You run, my love. Fred and I will take them on. Wolf, I don't think you know what you're talking about. You questioning my bravery? I think he's questioning your sanity. You've seen those things. We ain't gonna last five seconds against them tanks. Your suggestion is acceptable. Exterminate! Take cover! Quick! Behind these crates! I don't think this cover will last very long. You will be destroyed! Exterminate! We need to get back to the Pandorica. The what? He means this box thingy. That's right, the, the box thingy. It's strong enough to withstand their weapons, and we need to guard it anyway. Where is it? It's in the back. There's a back door to this place as well. You can leave through it. Can we get the Pandoro through it too? The what? Oh, the, the box thingy. Yes, crikey, the box thingy. No, it's too big. The door's too big. Surely that can't be a problem. The Pandorica's too big. Wilf, if you say one more thing about the size of doors, I'll shoot you. If you've got a gun, I suggest you train it at them Nazi tanks. Otherwise, I think the size of the doors is pretty relevant at this point, don't you think? Shut up, both of you. I'll provide some cover. Oh, my. You head back to the Pandorica. Step out so that we can shoot you! You are no match for the Dalek Empire! You are no match for the Roman Empire. Ah. You really can handle that sword, can't he? Cool! Is that Corinthian leather? Alright, alright, I can take a hint. Let's not waste his efforts. Come on, love, to the Pandoro! Your aim's a bit off, you big bucket of rust. Here, have a taste of Roman steel. Ow! Stop hitting me! Fellow Daleks, converge on my location! Three against one? That's barely cricket by Dalek standards. I've got to get out of here. Blimey, I hope that strapping young gladiator is alright and all. I'm sure he's fine. This ain't nothing a man like he or I can't handle on our own selves after all. Now how about I pull this here cube someplace safe? Just use the old muscles and employ a bit of elbow grease. Need an arm, big fella. You're getting nowhere. Must have used too much grease. The rope's a bit slippy is all. Yeah, that must be it. Listen, you go. I'll stay here and keep them occupied in case they get past him. Keep them occupied? How? By giving them some target practice? You alright? Fred! This is getting a little too dangerous for my liking. I may be a government agent, but I prefer a desk to getting shot at. How much time we got, you reckon? A minute if we're lucky. We've got to get out of here. You go. I'll stand guard. Did one of those lasers hit you on the head? We're all getting out of here now. That's precisely what I've been saying, innit, love? She should get out of arm's way. You can get out of arm's way, you plonker. The ceiling's coming down on us. Ah! Aline! You okay? Oh, ah! 
Ow! Crikey! That cinder block just grazed me leg. Left an hell of a gash. Can you stand on it? Let me... Ah! Oh, Fred Tucker! I won't be doing a kick and prance no time soon. You saved my life and look what you've gone and done. Oh, damn my recklessness. Well, someone's got to look out for you, you big elf. Not sure I can do much walking on my own now, though. I think my leg's broken all. I'll carry you. Don't you worry, Fred, I got this. Lean on me, pet. I'm getting you to safety. It's the least I can do. You can't stop the might of the Daleks. Too long have we waged this war. No more. An eye for an eye and a tooth for all the universe. What is that in his plunger? It's a tooth. That's a prime pair of peepers you got, in it? How can you see something that small, eh? Oh, um, I'm wearing contacts. You're wearing what? Never mind. Here they come. We will prevail. Not bloody lightly. We will open the Pandorica. Just you try it, tank boy. We have the DNA key. Open the Pandorica. They have the key. The DNA key. They have her DNA. Oh god, they have her DNA. Your weapon is no match for our blasters. Then why didn't you have a taste of this? No! Where did he come from? Dorabella, I'm so sorry. Edwin, why did you disobey your survival imperative like that? Throwing yourself in extermination's way to save me? It was the gentlemanly thing to do, my dear girl. I followed you here. Please forgive me. I just wanted to keep you safe. Stay with me, dammit! Don't you be exterminated on me, Edwin! It's all so dark. I'm ever so cold, Dora. Are you there? Dora? I'm right here. I will bring you back, Edwin. I promise I will bring you back. I love you, Dora Bella. I, I love... No! I can't scum! You will pay for this! I'm really sorry. You appeared out of nowhere. I recognize that man. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. You will be! Is that a pistol in your hand? Standard issue, nothing to worry about. I swear I didn't mean to hit that man. I'm sorry too, but it couldn't be helped, my friend. He did it to himself, the poor fool. I just saw the red hair and I figured the DNA key. This wig? This was harvested from the shower block of the Royal Highlanders! It is nothing but a distraction device! But I thought... You have forgotten about me, foolish human! From nearby, the Dalek squadron leader came bounding towards the Pandorica, its plunger outstretched. The Doctor is inside the Pandorica, and on the outside we have this! The Doctor's tooth! Recovered from below the floorboards of a dentist's office in Tombstone, People keep going on about this hand, but everyone ignores his tooth! Behold, the key to eternal dial extermination! The tooth of the Doctor Will! Why is he tapping the tooth against the Pandoro? I don't understand. Why is it not working? What's the matter? Bit enough more than you can chew, have you? Will, <laughs> that's terrible! Thanks very much. <laughs> Siren! Yeah? Oh, I've... <laughs> I thought you were talking to me. I meant to say, yes. We better leave. The Germans are here. I will carry you to safety, and when I will reanimate you. 
Can I watch? The tooth must work. No, I won't give up. There we go. Easy does it. Gently, but quickly. Behave, Wilf. We ain't halfway pulled out yet. Oh, just you wait, my love. Would you mind waiting till you can get in a room? We're nearly out. Just a little further for safety. Here come another wave. What was that? That was the Dalek. What about your box? Wilf, you just said to wait till we're alone. I was talking to him. It's alright. Over the years, she's had more than a mere Chiswick warehouse fall on top of her. I should drag her out of there before the fire brigade arrives, though. You can't go back in there. It must be a thousand degrees. You're already sweating just standing out here. I'm... what? Sweating? Uh, I mean, so what? It's positively dripping off you. You're a dead man if you go back in there. Startled, Rory put a hand to his face and for a moment, it stuck there. I can't leave her in there. That's a lot of heat. I'll pull her as far away from the fire as I can. You know, it's funny. When I first met you, I thought you was artless. <sighs> yeah. Wilfred, you're a gentleman and a hero. It's been an honour serving by your side. Oh, you're not so bad yourself, Fred. I don't know how you got that leather skirt on the black market, but I'll keep my jealousy to myself, Fred. You've got a kind cotton place and your strawberry tart to match. It's been a pleasure and an half. And a laugh. Ah, that rhymed. Didn't even mean it to. What a lark. <laughs> Come here, you. I love you, Wilfred Mott. I love you too, Eileen Dover. Ha! She loves me too. Do you hear that, Fred? She loves me. Fred. Fred? He's gone. He can take care of himself, Will. After all, he's a centurion, isn't he? Come on, Wilf. Take me home, will ya? Or better yet, to the hospital. We've had enough adventuring for an evening. Ugh, ugh, that really hurt. Supreme Leader, you're alive. Affirmative. What about the Pandorica? Pandorica undetected. But it was already deactivated. The Pandorica will not open. Perhaps it was a trap set by the Doctor. Never mind, we will execute Plan B and awaken the paradigm. Must we? That rainbow of tossers will never sell. Popularity is irrelevant. Plan B must be executed. And you, Edwin, will be at the heart of it. Amid all the kerfuffle, I couldn't help but notice the funniest thing. As soon as we delivered Eileen into the hands of the emergency medical service, it seemed like everyone, orderlies, nurses and doctors alike, knew who she was. She must have helped half of West London out to judge by how they came running to her aid and rushed her through the system. She was alright with them. So they put her right in front of the queue and patched her right up, there and then. Reset her leg, Bob's your uncle. And then, as soon as they turned their backs on her, told her just to rest for the night and the day after, what does she do? She was back up and out of her bed in a flash, stole a couple of crutches and the very next morning she was out back at the war office. Miss Nova, a word in my office please. Yes, Mr Churchill. Miss Nova, I can see that last night you were injured out in the field. I'm also told that you showed enormous courage in the face of danger. And you have certainly done so in returning to us so swiftly, despite the Nazis' best efforts. Your bravery and stoicism are truly to be applauded. You have done the entire war office proud, and Double One is of the same mind. But I dare say that for now you have done enough, and that certain jobs out in the field should be left to the men for a while. We would be pleased for you to return as a clerk, that is, 
once you've obeyed your doctor's orders and made a full recovery. A cut? Is that all you think I'm good for now? You want me trapped in here, standing silently in the back, cradling a pair of walnuts and a rolled-up issue of Britannia? No, thank you. Miss Dover, I assure you I only want what's best for you in your condition. And what condition's that, then? Having ovaries? Miss Dover, please. I'm only seeking to protect you. Truly, you've served to the best of your abilities. But perhaps it's time to admit one woman can't win the war all by herself. Fazrit, coming from the man who thinks he's a British Empire's last hope. And anyway, I were promised by double one. I were being trained up as his replacement. My dear, I'm afraid that would simply be impossible. What? Because a woman, and worse, a woman of the working classes could never be even your second in command? No, because you've only been here three weeks. That's all you men do, isn't it? Find excuses to keep us oppressed. Well, I've had it up to here. And you'd know where here was if only I could let go of these bleeding crutches. But let me tell you, sunshine, it's bloody eye up. I must bid you adieu, Mr Churchill. Keep your pecker up, and there's a good chap. And with that, Eileen left the cabinet war rooms, slowly yet proudly never to return or see Churchill again. But Churchill's day was about to go from bad to worse. At least I can count on you, Double One, to base your judgments on duty and decorum. Indeed, in the end, it is we gentlemen who must win this war. Churchy. I, I beg your pardon? Uh, I'm sorry, but I really must be off. Good heavens, what are you blathering about, man? You're not serious, are you? Oh, I'm afraid I am. You see, I can't take it anymore, this war. I've got to dash, find myself a nice little farm without any bombs. Carrots, perhaps yes. And perhaps the odd banana. Excess source of potassium. More bananas, fewer bombs, you see. That's what I'm all about nowadays. Bananas? Potassium? Have you lost your mind? The Nazi threat has never been greater, and only together can we... Personal reasons. Come again? Personal reasons. Forget about the bananas. There are personal reasons. What personal reasons are these? Wildly personal ones. Oh, I've got it. I had a friend in that warehouse, you see. I really did. And now I can't go on fighting this war with you. I must confess, it all sounds a little suspect, but... You've been a dear and trusted ally, and I have no reason to distrust you, I suppose. That's right, no reason at all. Certainly not reason enough to go snooping around the warehouses when there's no need to. Oh, don't look so crestfallen, Winnie. Just let everyone else alone so they can do their jobs, there's a good chap. Don't worry, you'll win the war, I know it. Pip-pip. So that's that, is it? Walking out on king and country with barely so much as a buy or leave? Quite the opposite. I'll be digging for victory. Tell you what... I'll have C begin sending you a daily digest of reports. How's about that? That way you can keep up with all the gossip from the comfort of your own bath. But with whom am I going to replace you? I thought we were getting to be really rather close. Oh, hello you. Are you going in? Why, yes. Marvellous. You look great, by the way. Not a scratch. Amazing. I'm sorry? No need to apologise. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Goodbye. What a strange chap. You! What in heaven's name do you want? Mr. Churchill, sir, I have a brand new proposition for you. Will he remember me? His mind has been rebooted. He is no longer human. There will be no remembrance of the Daleks. But Edwin improved me. It was nice. Our grown-ups waged romantic war on one another. Too much information. 
destroy all thoughts of love for brave space. Destroy, destroy. I obey. Can I still keep the Polaroids? Double One couldn't help but feel a little sad to be leaving the war rooms. The faces around him had not taken long to become familiar, friendly even. Despite their matching uniforms and their routines, he knew their names, nicknames and call signs by heart. He knew how they took their tea and whether they favoured football or cricket or neither. In fact, in the far corner he saw a face that looked very familiar indeed. Is that Benton, he thought? Or even a young Lethbridge Stewart? No, Benton may not even have been born yet. Stuart, meanwhile, would barely be a schoolboy and, even so, he'd be caught dead before he was spotted without a moustache. Striding from the courtyard at a brisk military pace, Double One rounded one corner, then another. He kept up his march amidst the crowds along the Victorian Bankment until he was satisfied that he'd covered his tracks sufficiently. Then he peeled off his own moustache and flung it exuberantly into the Thames. But as he did so, and as he slowed his march, another man fell into step beside him. Someone he knew instantly. Someone he'd been expecting. The two of them continued walking. Hello again. Again. Hello. Again. How did you spot me? After two millennia with nothing to do but wait and watch, you get quite good at seeing what's really going on. That, and then there's your ultroscopic Auton sight system. Okay, yes, now that you mention it. Also, the head of British Antiquities at the National Museum just happened to show up with a lorry at the very place I dragged the Pandorica to. Turns out someone had tipped him off about an ancient relic being bombed out of a warehouse in Chiswick. Don't always take a genius to figure it out, you know. What are you doing here? Where are Amy and your friend River? Right now, it's just me on my own. I'm Bill and Tedding everything, so that when I save what's left of this universe, it'll match as nearly as possible with the new rebooted universe, minimising the entropic chain reaction from the idiotemporal misalignment. Miniature void holes would appear throughout the continuum. Temporal fiction would just consume simultaneous existing alternates. So basically, sparks are bad. Everything left undone that I'd still have to do sequentially to get to this point in my timeline, I need to finish off now. It's the less glamorous side of the job, I suppose. When we're not pontificating about existence itself and giving continents stupid names, mostly Time Lords are just sort of cosmic caretakers. But what happens in the future? Is Amy still alright? Well, that's what I'm working on. But you've done well so far, Centurion. You've got some time left at your post yet, but not too much longer, relatively speaking. Yeah, you say that, Doctor. But when you've been waiting for 18 centuries... Most of the time, there's not much else to do but live like you're in one endless countdown. And I never sleep, so I can't even count sheep. I did warn you, Rory. Why do you think Time Lords invented time travel? Who wants to wait for the future to arrive? It's boring. Sorry, touchy subject. Still, think of that next snog from Amy, eh? Yeah, that'll make it all worth it. That's the Rory I remember. Although, you're not exactly as I remember now I take a look at you. What do you mean? Face. It's been quite badly damaged in the fire. If you get any funny looks today, it's not actually for the Centurion outfit. Luckily for you, modern plastic surgery is in the process of being invented as we speak. Get yourself down to the Queen Victoria Hospital, and maybe you can join the guinea pig club. Right, uh, thanks, I'll do that. Lovely. That's sorted then. Must be off. Tempest fugitive and all that, as you Romans say. Just gotta get out using the vortex manipulator without Churchill on the Daleks knowing. And that's this part of the timeline patched up. The great thing about the 1940s London is there are police boxes everywhere. Daleks never know where to look. I know. Every time I see one, I half expect Amy to come running out of it. Just a glimpse of a ginger policeman, and I can't help looking to check whether he's wearing stockings. Okay, Rory, keep it in your plastic pants. If it's anything like your hand, you'd best keep it under wraps. Ooh, one last thing, though. 
What did you think of Wilf? You know Wilf. Do I know Wilf? He's the reason I've got this face. He got the last version and he killed. I can believe that. Yeah, a lovely bloke. And everyone makes mistakes, don't they? Although, I'd best not dwell on this particular subject with you, had I? Anyway, must go. Carry on guarding the Pandorica exactly the way you are, and I'll be back soon. Relatively speaking. <sighs> the last words go to the geezer's geezer himself, the legend, Mr. Wilfred Mott. Well, that was pretty much it after that. Poor old Fred. I don't think they ever did find his body after the fire. Another casualty of war, bless his soul. No time to grieve when the bombs are flying, though. I had to go back to Africa just a few days after that. Then came Italy. And once the Third Reich was destroyed, I found myself in Palestine. Bullets whizzing over me head. Everywhere I went, people were looking in the skies for German planes. But now I knew there was something scarier from even further out there we had to keep an eye on. Them aliens were going to be back one day, and I'd be ready for them. Eileen carried on with her heroics throughout the war. Within days, she was back on all the shifts she'd been covering before, fire-watching, first-aiding, and only a little more static than usual. Then, as soon as her leg was better, she joined the Wrens to boot, dispatch-riding and all the rest of it. She should have had the George Cross. Everyone who knew her said as much, but not even Churchill, our great leader, had been able to foresee what she was capable of, let alone deploy her heroism appropriately. Although, there's a funny thing. Maybe he knew more than he'd been letting on. Turns out she had another sort of condition because she was a few weeks along. So I made a quick stop back to tie the knot and then seven months later in October, she gave birth to our first daughter, Sylvia. I confessed I wasn't around much in the first few years, but come 1950, I'd had enough of service and I came home for good. After all that fighting, I wanted to do something harmless. And so in the end, I set up a newspaper stand, just like me old man, Dilfred. But I hadn't forgotten about those Daleks and the adventures I'd had with Fred. So come the Battle of Canary Wharf, I knew exactly what was going on. I had myself my old telescope by then and a right good view of it. And it was only a few short years after that when my granddaughter Donna and I fell in with a different type of alien entirely. A marvellous man, the Doctor. Here, I don't suppose you lot back at the U Back When Foundation might have heard of him. Fred Mott, Old Wilfred Mott, and Patron 2 were played by Rory. You can find Rory on Twitter at RetroMetronome. The narrator, Dalek 3, the patroness, Scoundrel 2, and Milfred were played by Leon, aka Ponkin. You can find Leon on Twitter at Ponkin. Winston Churchill, Dalek 1, Scoundrel 1, Gilfred, and Braceface were played by Drew. You can find Drew on Twitter at DrewBackWhen. Excellent branding. Eileen Dover and Dalek 2 slash Dorabella were played by Marie. You can contact Marie by writing to whobackwhen at gmail.com. The Doctor and the Landlady were played by Nick. You can find Nick on Twitter at Nickulele. Like ukulele, but with Nick. And also different. Rory and Patron 1 were played by Jim. You can contact Jim by writing to whobackwhen at gmail.com. Last but by no means least, Agent Audience was played by Miriam. You can say hello to her on Twitter at M underscore Mirimu. Operation Pandarica was co-written and produced by Leon and Drew for Who, Who Back, Back When? A Doctor, Doctor Who, Who podcast. podcast. Or Doc Past. Ah!